0: You can take your seats. This morning, we have the wonderful Rich Lush coming to share with us. He is going to be taking on our next part in the series, A Holiness That Hurts the Eyes. There are several members of our team multitasking today. Steve is doing sound and keyboard. Rich is speaking and doing sound as well. So um, let's give Rich another welcome. Let's give him a round of applause. It's lovely to see you, Rich. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being with us. I'm glad you came. Um, I'm going to pray for Rich, and then we'll hand over. Yeah, Father, we thank you for what you're going to speak to us through Rich this morning. We thank you for the work he's put in and the, the way he has processed and prayed and uh, sought you as he's prepared this morning. We just pray, Lord God, that you'd be with him, you'd speak through him, that our lives and this, this church and this city will be impacted because of what you do in the midst of us this morning. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Um, a little bit chaotic this morning, and here we had lots of random plugs that were missing and things that had to be found. And then I printed some stuff, and then I went to print my notes, and the other thing had printed fine, but my notes didn't print. So then my laptop was nearly out of charge, so I'd actually have to, have to charge it for the entire thing. And then we're doing sound as well. So it's been fun. <laughs> um, it's really good to be here. Um, I always enjoy the chance to preach, it's a great opportunity, and, and it's fun. I quite enjoy it most of the time. Sometimes it's a bit daunting. Um, and there's always a heaviness when you preach as well—that sense of I'm bringing the word of God, and I want it to be received well, and I want you to hear what I have to say. But also, it's not about you praising me, but it's about you praising Him. So as long as I'm directing you towards Him, I'm doing the right thing, hopefully. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I'll go like, I'll just, yeah, well, Dan, that's it. Just let's just soak up the moment. Today we are continuing our series on holiness Holiness that hurts the eyes, and I'm talking about um, how holiness redefines us as the body of Christ. Before we move on, actually, I just, um, just want to go back to the beginning of the meeting. When Dan was talking about the kids' work, I, it's a complete derailment of my talk, I just really want to say this right now, but we... Have to re- realize how valuable it is to be putting into our younger generations, like, and that's not just the church. That's us as parents or families, or whatever. Like, we, we need to be investing. We need to be giving our all. We need to be raising up generations who love Jesus, who want to know Jesus. Like, I grew up in a church where. Um, I wanted to go every Sunday because I was so excited to hear about this Jesus and to know Jesus. And that's what we want for our kids, for our young people, for our students, for our mid-20s, for our 30s, for our 40s. And that's what we want is to be a body who wants to be excited to know Jesus and want those who follow to be excited to know Jesus. And so if you caught anything of what Dan was saying this morning, please, please come and, and serve our children please come and serve in the different areas because if you make the difference in their lives, you are Jesus to them and you are being Jesus to them to inspire them to know Jesus. It can't sit on one person's shoulders because Dan will burn out, others will burn out and we have to be a community that runs for that and does that. So that's not to do with my talk, but it probably is a little bit. As I said, today I'm continuing our series on the holiness that Holiness that redefines us and who we are. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking um, about the idea of holiness that hurts the eyes. What does that even mean when we say that hurts the eyes? Do we just mean, ow, my eyes hurt a little bit, or actually is it, no, this is a wow factor. This is an amazing thing. And I started thinking about how when I was a child, my mum told me two things about my eyes that are really key. She said, don't watch too much TV or you'll get square eyes. That was a lie, I'm pretty sure. My eyes are not square. But the thing that definitely was true was don't look at the sun because if you look, it will burn your eyes. And being the typical middle rebellious child, I, of course, looked at the, eyes, looked at the sun repeatedly over the years, trying to see if I could see it. And you know what? You can't look for more than a second before it starts to hurt. And you can try putting sunglasses on. You can try make, doing all sorts of techniques. But the reality is you will burn your retinas and you will need glasses. So don't do it. But the point is, the holiness of God is beyond me just trying to look at the sun briefly. It would be like me standing next to the sun itself and trying to look. It would be so bright, so big, so bold, like it would consume all of me. It would overwhelm me. Such is the holiness of God. Such is the wow of God, the awesomeness of God. Like, we don't use the word awesome lightly in this context. It truly is awesome. And so it is that holiness that we are talking about, that wow factor, that transformative bright light that is so bright that you, you couldn't put anything dark near it because it would be vaporized in its presence. Last week, Andy spoke on um, the holiness from the Old Testament to the New. And he talked about how this story with Isaiah where Isaiah understood the holiness of God. He got that sense of the presence that if I enter the presence of God, I need to be clean because otherwise I am going to be consumed by this holiness and I will likely die. And yet an angel comes and puts a cold on his lips and says, no, I make you are made pure. You are welcomed in. You are holy. I have made you holy. In fact, the fascinating thing with the Bible that we see is that God actually says to us as a people, I have made you holy, so be holy. That's such a bizarre statement. You're saying, I am holy, so I now need to be holy. It's like the Schrodinger's cat of theology. It's this bizarre idea that actually both things can be true, that we are both made holy, yet we are seeking to become holy. But the beauty is that if we are made holy, well, that means to be made in the image of God. Like, if we go all the way back to Genesis, Adam and Eve were commissioned to rule and reign over the earth as image bearers of God, to be the, his holy presence on the earth. That's what they were commissioned. They kind of failed, bless them. But that calling, that commission still exists for us today. We are still called to be image bearers. We are still called to rule and reign and to see God's kingdom go where he wants us to go. We are called to burn like stars to be bright, shining, to be wow factors. You know, sometimes I read these scriptures in the New Testament about um, don't put your light under a bucket or the things about the song we used to sing as children, which was let your little light shine. And I think we've missed something. Like actually, I'm thinking almost like a Scrooge moment holding this tiny candle shaking. And God's like, no, I'm not talking about you having a tiny light that is just barely visible. You shine like stars. We are called to burn like stars, to shine like stars, to carry the presence of God, to carry his holiness into all that we do, so that people would look at us in wonder of what we are carrying. They would look at us and see the face of God mirrored in us. To be... Holy, as the Father says to be holy, is to be a life-bringer, an image-bearer of him. To bring his kingdom wherever we go. Holiness is freely given by Jesus. It's freely given to us. As I said, he calls you holy, so be holy. That is the refrain of this talk. And there are markers, there are things that define us. Christopher Wright, who is a brilliant theologian, and I study theology, so it would feel weird not to bring some theologian into what I do, but he makes some definitions of what holiness was like in the Old Testament. He talks about how in Leviticus 19, there are markers of holiness. These things all involved holiness. So holiness in the Old Testament, this is just a short list, but he says it involved respect within the family and community. It involved exclusive loyalty to Yahweh as God, proper treatment of sacrifices. It involved economic generosity in agriculture. It involved observing the commandments regarding social relationships. It involved economic justice in employment rights. It involved social compassion to the disabled. It involved judicial integrity in the legal system. It involved neighborly attitudes and behaviors, loving one's neighbor as oneself. It involved preserving the sacrifice and the things that are distinctive about their faith. It involved sexual integrity, not sleeping around. It involved rejection of practices connected with idolatrous or occult religion. Don't go off to that other random religion and do their thing. It involved no ill treatment of ethnic minorities, but rather racial equality before the law and practical love for the foreigner as for oneself. It involved commercial honesty in all trading transactions. But the thing he wraps this up with saying, throughout the chapter, the refrain is, I am the Lord. And, it, and what it says is, your quality of life must reflect my character, i.e. God's character. This is what is required of you because this is what reflects me, God. This is what I myself would do. So there's a nice list of characteristics for us Maybe that is what holiness looks like for us. But holiness seems to grow in the Old Testament as well. There was one commentator observed this. He says, you've got these different traditions. You've got the priestly tradition, which essentially is the the first books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy. You've got the prophetic tradition, which is all the prophetic books. You've got the wisdom tradition, which is like Solomon, Psalms, Job, Proverbs. But each one seems to show a different characteristics around what holiness is and how it outworks. In the priestly tradition, we see a requirement that holiness required a response of, pu- of purity and cleanliness. In the prophetic tradition, it seemed to be marked by a response of social justice and social purity. And then in the wisdom tradition, there seemed to be something more about the individual, a response of cleanliness and individual moral action. So there's this sense that, yes, there was this defining kind of list of what holiness might be in terms of characteristics, but actually how that outworks and what that looks like even throughout the Old Testament seems to change and evolve. This shows us straight away that holiness and what it means to be redefined by holiness isn't as simple as a nice list of tick-box actions for us. So how does it redefine our lives? Does it mean standing on a big platform with thousands watching, wearing expensive pairs of shoes and jackets with perfect haircuts, preaching abundant life? Is it living with nothing in a monastery in Calcutta, serving the local community with all we have and denying yourself? Well, it could be, but it also could not be. And even that comment may make you feel uncomfortable. But the point is, those are not definitions of holiness. They are responses to what people have been called to by God. You see, it would be really easy for me to come up with a definitive list of what holiness should look like in our lives. You know, we talk about the word holy, and we tend to automatically think of the idea of being set apart. And it's a great concept, and it's true. We are called to be set apart, but what so often happens is we take the idea of being set apart, and we so remove ourselves from everything coming, going on that we forget the part of the Scriptures where it says, be in the world but not of the world. We just go with a, no, i just be out of the world. And in fact, we can, if we're not careful, we fall into a place of essentially going, well, here's my lovely morality list that I've created of how I define being holy. These are the things that, that define me as a holy person. And it ends up, we almost, with this become, we almost go with this holier-than-thou attitude. And it becomes judgmental. And it becomes, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm correct, you're, you're completely out there. And it's judgment. And before we know it, We're acting just like the Pharisees. Wanting to serve God, yet missing the point beautifully. Holiness is not about us desperately trying to live a sinless life. That can be part of it. But it's also not about a morality checklist for us to tick off. Or what political party you align with. Um, The point is, the Bible says, You are holy, so be holy. When you became a child of God, you were adopted. You are his image bearers, and therefore you are made holy. When the Bible says, be holy as I am holy, it is not a command of judgment. It is a command of release. It is God saying, now I called you to be holy. So lay down your shame, lay down your your worries, lay down those things that hold you back, because I call you holy already. I'm not judging you by the things that you need to sort out in your life. I'm saying, no, you are holy. I have made you that. I have called you to be that. So be it. Be free of that stuff. Be free of condemnation. Be free of judgment from the world, from the church, from whoever, because I have made you holy. Don't live in condemnation. Holiness is where heaven meets earth in you. It's where transformation happens because we are called into this invitation of a life of holiness. C.S. Lewis, um, who I love, says this brilliant thing. He says, what God wants is, this is what God would say. He says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I've not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it, but to have it out. Hand over the whole natural self. All the desires which you think innocent, as well as the ones you think wicked. The whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. Holiness is about letting God do that in us, letting that outwork in us. It's about a growth and a constant transformation. And I don't know about you, but I do not always feel holy. I don't always feel like I live in the call for holiness. In fact, I've over the last few months I've struggled with my faith. I've struggled with my role and the things I do. Not in a way where I'm going, I'm losing my faith, but just it's just felt harder. It's just not felt fun or enjoyable, and it's felt a little like, well, why are we doing all this stuff? And what I found is God saying, well, I'm calling you just to know me. I'm calling you just to know me, and you've built this list of things that you seem to think are a lovely tick box that's going to get you closer. I'm saying, just come and be in my presence. Come and outwork with me and sit with me and know me. Somewhere along the lines, even for myself, (laughs) I lost a sense of what the vision for holiness even in my own life looked like and got caught in the things I was doing, a morality code that I had created without even realizing it. And the thing is, when we start creating these kind of codes of conduct and things that we follow, that we create our own rules for holiness, what can happen Is actually God saying, I want to take all of you. And we're going, yeah, but I want to just hold on to this little bit here. Let me have this. Let me have these defining things. These are the things that say, I'm holy, God. Surely God's going, no. Let those things go. Because you're only going to have holiness redefined in your life by being in my presence. When I was um, 18... I was wowed by the beauty and compassion of God calling me into knowing him. I'd had many experiences over the years. This wasn't like a new defining moment. I was brought up in a really charismatic church and really engaged. This was actually a heartbreaking moment where I had been dating this girl, my first serious relationship, nine months. It wasn't Maria. (laughs) And um, we'd been together for nine months and then she um, broke up with me. And then two days later, I saw her kissing someone else and discovered that she'd probably been cheating on me. And I was heartbroken and I was heart-wrenched. And what I did in response to this was, did I come to God and say, God, I just need you? No, I did not do that. What I did in response was I went out and I got drunk every night and started smoking for two weeks straight. I never smoked before. This was like a bizarre, like rebellious of two weeks, two weeks of intense rebellion. (laughs) I know, right? Who Who would think it? But what... What was hilarious at the end of it was I just remember the voice of God just saying, come on, Rich. Come, Rich. Come back. And it was like God wanted me to know him. He didn't come with judgment. He didn't come with weight. He didn't come saying, you need to sort yourself out, boy, because this is not on. He came with grace and compassion. And I was reminded again in that moment of what it means to be redefined because knowing how he loves me in that moment helps me know how to love other people. We are called to be image bearers of Christ, which means learning how to love as he loves. And when we give all of ourselves over to him and that holiness pours through and his will takes control of us, We let that happen. We burn brightly like stars. And sometimes it might mean going to Calcutta or doing something crazy like that. Sometimes it means just going down the road and just being a presence. But what it doesn't mean is just going, here's some nice things I do for my neighbor. It's bringing the presence of God, the kingdom of God, into every moment we go into it's seeing people as God sees them. It's saying, God, let me see prophetically for the people in my street. Let me see prophetically for the people I know that I will be able to speak life into them. That's what it means. And sometimes it might mean that actually we choose the will of God. Well, it means we choose the will of God over the things of ourselves. When I was preparing this talk, I was reminded of a song that was birthed um, in this house many, many years ago on an album called Biography um, that was called Carry Me. And it had this line in it that said, I will be more popular with you than my friends because you're the only reason I'm alive today. And I want the holiness that exists in me that works out of me to be that that I say, God, I will do what you call me to do, no matter what that looks like, no matter how unpopular that might look like at time, because I want your presence to burn in me, your holiness to pour out of me, and continue to transform and change me in everything I do. Whatever decision that means, whether that means that I sell, <laughs> that I stop renting and go live in, a, in a, a hostel somewhere, or that you call me to another country, or actually that I invest in this thing, things that make no sense to the world, but I will do it if that's what you call of me. Holiness redefines us by knowing that we are sons and daughters of the King. It redefines us by reminding us that we are divine image bearers of holiness. It redefines us by reminding that we are called holy first with no judgment. It redefines us by reminding us that we are called to bring his kingdom alongside Jesus as co-heirs. It redefines us by living a transformative, sacrificial life in the model of Jesus. As I was prepping this talk, I was reminded of this beautiful song um, that we're going to hopefully sing. (laughs) Um, called um, I Am Your Beloved. And it's a song by the Helsers. And I was listening to it, and I just found myself feeling slightly broken as I listened. Because it's not about God's holiness in terms of his wellness, but it's about how God sees us. And you might think, well, where does that fit? But if you've got anything from my talk, know this. Our holiness is defined by Jesus. So if we want to become more holy, we need to know Jesus better. That's the point. You can, I could give you loads of pointers on the same row. You could try Lecture 365, which is great, by the way. It's really good, worth doing. You could use our bread journals. You could do, um, create a Sabbath every Saturday. And those are all brilliant tools, but they're just tools. The only way your holiness is redefined is by knowing the King of kings and Lord of lords and letting him outwork it in you. And the more you know him, the more you let him know you, the more transformation you will see in your life. And the thing is, he knows everything about you. In this, in this song, there's this beautiful bit, I'm just finding now, in the bridge where it says, but you're the one who knows me best and the one who loves me most. There is nothing I have done that could change the Father's love. You're the one who knows me best, the one who loves me most. There's nothing I have done that could change the Father's love. When you have someone that loves you unconditionally, even when they know your darkest secret and your lightest moment, when they know everything, and yet there is no shame, and they call you holy, That, by its nature, will redefine how that outworks in your life. I want to love like Jesus loves. I want to know people like Jesus knows people. And I want to do that kind of love. How he loves me is how I want to love others. I want that to be outworked in all I do. So what we're going to do is, um, the band's going to come up, and we're going to sing this song. And you may want to just respond by just listening. You may want to respond by praying with someone. You may want to respond by gathering some people together. We've also got, um, over here, the kids have, there's some giant hands. And the kids have been writing their names on these hands to say, I am known by the king. That I, his, my name is written on his hand. You may want to come and do that. But what I would encourage you is let's be active in our response. Because one of the things that I felt as I was kind of processing this and praying it through is it's very easy for me to stand here and put a bunch of stuff out there. And you go, hmm, that's really good, Rich. Let me go away and think on that. But a relationship with God has to be active. A relationship with Jesus has to be active. It cannot be stagnant. If you let a friendship stagnant, it doesn't go anywhere. You're not going to be redefined by Jesus if you just go, yeah, that sounds cool, God. I'm off. Being refined by Jesus means actively going, you know what, Lord, I come before you and I want to be holy. You call me to be holy, so let me outwork that. Let me move in that. Let me t- be running towards you because that's all I want. That's all I need. That's all I long for. You call me beloved. and I want you to redefine me because walking with you is transformative and different and calls me to something more than just my moment. So I'm going to pray. And I'm going to hand over to psalm. Father God, thank you that you call us holy. Not only do you call us holy, but you say, so be holy. Thank you for how you love us. That true holiness is found in knowing you intimately. And that there's no part of us that we need to hide from you. There's no part of us that we need to be afraid of you knowing because you know it all and you still say you're holy. Thank you for that freedom and that release. Speak to us now and let us have ears to hear. In Jesus' name.